Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. I don't have a cool like sign on like a hoy hoy, but welcome in to the Tampa studio. I'm Andy, also known as Chino Mage. You can see Darth Vader holding a candy cane behind me. And you can see CrossFit Santa here as well. We are celebrating all of the holidays down here in Tampa without snow. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I'm so incredibly honored that you're here. We are so incredibly honored that you're here spending a little bit of time with us here at Lux Digital Church. I, I honestly feel like we stay say this every single week, but it's true. Like This is the best time of the week, getting to hang out with all of you here on Twitch live. If you're part of our, our growing on-demand family listening on podcast or watching on YouTube or VOD, don't feel left out. We Love you too. Absolutely, we love you. But I want to put a little bit of a challenge out to you and really to anyone within the sound of my voice. The, the life that we all live is better done with others around us. Being a lone wolf is really tough and really, really dangerous. And I know that we have this word community and that word community is kind of scary. But that's why we live in community with one another. And we have this thriving, active Discord community where our church lives. We've got hundreds of people there hanging out 24-7, talking about life and board games and video games and TV and movies and pets and having spiritual discussions and praying and, and really living life together. We're going to put that link in the chat right now, or it's in the description of this video or in the show notes of the podcast. Come on over and join us, even if you just want to see how it is. We're there for you. All right. We have been in this series really for the last week. That's all. This collection of talks that we're calling Christmas at the Movies. And it's based around those Christmas movies that we know and we love and we laugh at every single year. The movies that really make Christmas. They, they, they make it the holiday season, you know. And, and a lot of them are not just movies, which is kind of weird to say. A lot of them have a lot of deeper things going on that can teach us about ourselves, about God, about the world, and uh, yes, of course, about the true meaning of Christmas. And this year, we're looking to make Christmas great again, which is absolutely hilarious. And I love the fact that Pastor Mark came up with that for this series. And that's our key statement is make let's make christmas great again it, it, it it's looking at those movies that actually shape our view of what this holiday season is our job in this collection of talks is to look at the magic and the wonder that we're always told about during the holidays and and to really return to where they first came from and that is jesus the birth of a man who was also god who would eventually die to save us. It's the best story of them all, and it's a story that transcends boundaries and time, and it applies to every single person. So my favorite movie of all time, it's not a Christmas movie. Uh, it's, it's either Fight Club or Saving Private Ryan. I've seen them, I don't know, six, seven, maybe eight, maybe 10 times a piece. And I know that's like a, a bunch of times uh, to see. And, and, and I think if you told some people that you watched a movie like 10 times, they'd call you weird. But the interesting thing is like when it comes to Christmas, there's a lot of people that watch the same Christmas movie every single year, if you think about it. And, and that's not weird. I, I mean, I've seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation over 20 times. That movie's hysterical. A little raunchy, but hysterical. I've watched the Christmas movie and the Red Rider BB gun shooting your eye out, kid, at least 20 times. Thank you, Bougie. I appreciate the, uh, the shout out there. He said solid picks for those of you that can't see. I'm just going to take that and put that right up 
on the mantle. I've watched Rudolph and that weird stop motion thing happening there with the weird giant. And I've watched The Grinch and every other classic Christmas movie dozens of time. And this movie that we're talking about, I have seen pretty much every single Christmas since it was released in the heady year of 2003. So what, 19 times? And that movie is, of course, Elf. It's that movie that our family sits down to watch every single year. Because Christmas doesn't really start for me until I see this video clip. That's the best part of Christmas. Every year, without fail, it makes me laugh. Buddy the Elf getting hit by a taxi every single time. And I don't know why. It's just the most hysterical thing. But that's, that's like the real meaning of Christmas. Yes, you smell like beef and cheese and all of the things. Elf is an all-time great movie. I don't care what you say. Elf is an all-time great movie. And, and honestly, there's a lot going on in the script that I think we can all miss. So if, if, if you haven't seen Elf, um, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm going to straight up ruin it for you. So there be spoilers ahead. Just deal with it. There's the spoiler alarm going off in the background. The story of Elf starts with Santa, the Santa Claus, doing his thing. He's delivering presents to this orphanage, and there's this little baby that crawls into his bag of gifts, and this baby becomes a stowaway that's brought back to the North Pole, and that little baby becomes the first human ever to be in the North Pole outside of Santa Claus, who's like kind of an elf, and there's some mythology there, and this baby lives among the elves and the penguins and the puffins and the narwhals and all of the magical creatures. And there is Papa Elf. And Papa Elf is sort of the granddad of the whole bunch. And Papa Elf takes and raises the baby as if he was one of the elves. But there's a problem with that, right? Watch this. <laughs> Will Ferrell depict the, the, the photograph of Will Ferrell dunking on the elves is like absolutely hysterical every time. I mean, the big thing here is He's not an elf. He's Buddy. He's a human. All he's ever known is that he is an elf, but he doesn't fit in. And that scene you just watched is actually the turning point of the whole movie. I know it's like right at the front, but it's kind of the, the crux of the whole movie there. Buddy the elf's whole identity has been built on being one of Santa's helpers. And now that is all blown apart right at that scene. And then in, you know, in typical Will Ferrell movie fashion, there's this overdramatic scene where Buddy kind of freaks out and then he goes and decides to find his real dad. And then he takes a trip through the seven levels of the candy cane forest through the sea of the swirly, twirly gumdrops and then into the Lincoln Tunnel of New York City. Buddy has this innate longing to find out who he really is. Like all of us, we, we want to know who we really are. And when you watch the first parts of Elf, you immediately know that he doesn't fit in. There's comedy in that. It's hysterical. I think it's hysterical. You, you immediately recognize that he's different, that he's been living with the wrong identity. But there's a lot of us right here, right now, that if we're honest, are living with the wrong identity. <laughs> Not in a comedic sense, but I think in our real lives, we're living with this wrong identity. And that word identity is really big in our world right now. And there's a lot of baggage packaged with it. There's a lot of things associated with it. And I'm not talking about sexuality and I'm not talking about applied ethics or anything like that tonight, because that is 
worlds ahead of where we are and we need to kind of set baselines before we move further. I, I think those conversations are worthy to have, but I'm actually talking about something a little deeper than that. I'm talking about where all of that springs from, where all those conversations spring from. I'm talking about that, that core feeling that a lot of us have, that, that feeling that we're missing something, like we're wandering in the middle of the road and we're looking for a place to call home. And we all, we all feel from time to time like our identities are blowing in the wind. They're driven by people around us or by our hobbies or by our political motivations or even by our friends. And these identities, they tend to drift into places and spaces that are not really what God says that we are to be doing or not who we're created to be. Imagine, uh, imagine that you are invited into a Discord server. So just go with me on this little thought experiment. You're invited into a Discord server for an upcoming game that you've never really had a chance to interact with, but you're super excited. And you get to the part in the onboarding process that says, what is your name? But underneath that, you see directions that say, don't write your actual name. Instead, write who you really are. What would you type there? Who are you really? What do you identify with? For some of us, we would automatically identify ourselves with our challenges. We would say things like, I'm divorced. I just got laid off at work. I'm struggling through school. I feel unlovable. I have a disability or a handicap. Uh, that, some of us might write those things. Some of us may swing the other way and identify ourselves by our successes. I just got married. I'm working towards grandmaster in league. I, I just got a new job. Some of us might identify with our country of origin or our political affiliations or, or I'm Horde or Alliance or Xbox or PS5 or Switch or PC gamer or, or something like that because we all tend to automatically identify with something. We can all write something in that box in Discord. But here's the reality. You're not just one thing. Your, your identity is not just one thing. There's a lot of things that go into shaping your identity, but they don't make up who you are. Those things all around are not your identity because your identity is the very center of your being. It's the core of who you are. Everything you do and everything you say and everything you engage with comes from your identity. It flows out of you. And if you're living in a false identity, one that's just kind of a mishmash and a myriad of things, you're going to spend your life running. And that's going to exhaust your soul, searching after things that ultimately do not matter. The Bible, I wear a lot of hats, says flat cap. That's a, real, that's a real thing. The Bible's an eminently practical book. I mean, there's, it's got a lot of prophecy and poetry and, you know, apocalyptic things and a, and a lot of stuff going on. But it's all got, also got a ton of practical living tips and phrases that are found throughout. And one of those phrases is actually just two words. It's two words that can really make or break your eternity, not just living today or tomorrow, but forever. It's a, it's a phrase that, that, that's all about belonging and family and relationships and love. And those two words are these words, in Christ, in Christ. Now, that, 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 that little phrase, in Christ, it's found 140 times throughout Scripture. It's found 35 times as it's dealing directly with your identity. 
And in the book of Ephesians, where we're going to be tonight, it's found 12 times in the first 14 verses alone. This is a huge deal in Scripture. This repetition is a huge deal. And, and your identity is a huge deal. Figuring out who you actually are and, and making sure that you get that identity right. And here's the reality. So many of us live out with a false sense of identity. We just, we just do. And because of that, we chase the wrong stuff and we do the wrong things. And then one morning we wake up and we don't like who we are. We look in the mirror and we don't really like what looks back at us. And so we think, nah, if I can just change my behavior, if I can fix my habits or addictions, eventually I'll like who I am. And so we work as hard as we can. We make New Year's resolutions. We try programs and diets and screen time restrictions. And yet we still find ourselves struggling in the same patterns and habits as before. Because ultimately, changing your behavior is good. But, but remember, your identity is what determines your behavior. Who you are determines what you do. Who you are determines what you do. And I am right there with you. I have had large seasons of my life where I don't actually know who I am or what I belong to. And that usually manifests itself in this way. And my wife is watching and she can attest to this in the chat right now. I will have to buy something new, like a new computer or a phone or something. And it's, it's something that I need, but, but I get decision paralysis because I don't know my actual identity. And, and, and so I'll research every little thing about every little minute detail about that laptop or that phone. I'll compare and I'll contrast. I'll watch every single YouTube video. I'll go to every single Reddit post I can find. I'll search and I'll search and I'll search. And most of the time I'll make a decision only to regret it. And I'll literally get what's called decision fatigue. It's where my mind has been spinning because I think that that one thing that I'm chasing is going to make my life infinitely better. And I need to get the best thing right now. And this process literally exhausts me. It takes up so much space in my mind that my relationships suffer. I love you too. That's to my wife, but I love you all as well. So many of you know this feeling that I'm talking about. You're, you're, you might be there right now. You've exhausted your soul. You're, you're trying to fix something on your own. You're modifying behaviors and you're searching and you're seeking and you're trying to feel better about who you are and you're exhausted. And I have news for you. What you're doing is not going to work. Because in, in, in those times that, I, that I'm trying to find that one thing that is going to make my life better, I'm forgetting my true identity. I'm forgetting who I am. I'm forgetting that I follow Jesus, not Apple or Microsoft or Garmin or Google. I follow Jesus. And here's the best thing about that, guys and gals. When I started following Jesus, he didn't tell me that I needed to fix my behaviors or my habits or my addictions before coming to follow him. He accepted me and loved me just as I was. And I said yes to a relationship with him right then and there. And then we started working on all of these things together. All right, let me, let me get off my soapbox here. And I, I want to unpack what God actually says about this. And not, not just me, not just me yelling at a camera. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Now, to understand this, this is in the New Testament. And this is after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's this guy, the Apostle Paul. And he has written about two-thirds of the New Testament at this point. He, and he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, which is this huge city. 
found in uh, on the west coast of modern day Turkey, right off the coast of what's called the Aegean Sea. Uh, Ephesus was this thriving city. It had one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Temple of Diana. I mean, this city was known for action and growth and life and energy. People would have been proud to be from Ephesus. They they would have had this certain sense of cultural pride. Like, you know, in, in the States, we have people from Long Island or Boston. They, they feel that pride. That's not a bad thing. They, they, that's where they're from. That's their heritage. That's their culture. I feel that. It's the core of their being. That's the people in Ephesus that Paul is writing to. And we have really two distinct parts. We've got six chapters, but we've got two distinct parts of the book of Ephesians. And, and, and he really starts to talk about identity in chapters one through three. He talks about who you are. And then in chapters four through six, he talks about what you do. So we've got one through three talking about identity, who you are, and we've got four through six talking about the works that come from that identity. He's very smart. This guy knows what he's doing. You should probably read a little bit more, Paul, if you get a chance. And here's where a lot of churches and ministries and counselors, they tend to mess up the order of things. So I need you to hear me on this. A lot of churches and ministries and counselors tend to spend a lot of time in the chapter four to six mentality. They try to fix what you do in order to make you a better person and a better, better Christ follower. They're trying to fix the actions, the works. But remember, behavior change, it doesn't happen without heart change. It, do, it doesn't lead to lasting change without changing your heart. Who you are determines what you do. Who you are determines what you do. We have to deal with our identities first if we're ever going to actually make changes that matter because everything flows from that identity. And so Paul says to the church in Ephesus, look, it's, it's not your politics. It's not your city. It's not your rules. It's not what you wear. It's nothing. It's not the horses or the camels that you have. It's about being in Christ. Again, there's that phrase, in Christ. Christ, 12 times in the first 24 verses of chapter 1, 12 times in the first chapter, in Christ. That's chapter 1, but then in chapter 2, he starts to get a little more personal. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he writes this, As for you, meaning you, Ephesians, but also us, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. See, Paul starts this big sweeping statement to all of us who have ever failed, which is, again, all of us. We have all failed. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. He's talking to the Ephesians, and he also talks to us, and he says, look, you're deserving of God, God's wrath and his anger and his punishment because of what you've done. But he flips the script here, and he tells us that we're no longer defined by those worst moments. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. He writes this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Because of God's great love for us. Not because of what we do, but because of what God is and did love us. All of the stuff that we've done is now gone because of God's grace, and that is how we are saved. And we get this jacked up so often. 
We think that by our own efforts, by trying harder, by, by, by being better people, or by not looking at that thing that we shouldn't be looking at, or not buying that thing we shouldn't be buying, or not saying that wrong thing, that is how we're going to be better, and that is how we're going to be saved. Our own willpower can do it, yes and amen, but it can't. It can't. Look at Ephesians 2 again, starting in verse 8. He says, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Grace through faith, not by works, not by trying harder. It's literally the gift that God has given us in his son Jesus on the cross who died so that whatever sins and failures and faults that we had before we knew him were counted as nothing. That is what grace is. You don't need to work harder to get God's favor. The second you believe and trust that he has saved you, you've already got it. And I know that's weird, but that's what this faith life is. You, you are not who you were before you met Jesus. If you feel like you're a failure and that your identity is tied up in all of those failures of your past, you need to understand that according to scripture, if you are in Christ, if you believe in him as your savior, those failures that you feel are gone. They're over. They're dead. They're buried forever. This, this is a gift that has been given to you. You can't earn this. You can't work harder to get more into God's good grace. In Christ, your identity has already been given. It is not earned. In Christ, your identity can't be worked to. It's given to you the second you look at Jesus and decide that you want to trust him. Again, weird thing, but when we place our hope and our trust in the person of Jesus, who was born of a virgin, who died on a cross, we get a new identity, an eternal identity, one that is not condemned to a life away from God, but one that is free to love and not be worried about what the world thinks of who we follow or who we belong to. And if anyone would have a reason to flex on us about that, if anyone could say that they've done more to earn God's blessing and favor and approval, it would have been the Apostle Paul. This dude wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but before he was a, a, a Christian, a Christ follower, he was always also the most zealous human, the zealous Jewish man who literally killed Christians because he thought it was against God's true plan. And yet, in the book of Philippians chapter 3, Paul says that everything he did before he met Jesus is all, and I quote, Garbage. That's the word he uses, garbage. All of the things that he thought mattered, worthless, trash, garbage. The Greek word there, the, this is funny, the Greek word there means a lot of things, but one of the main things is human excrement. I don't, I'm not going to dive too far into that, but that's how little it matters when in relation to what Christ has done. That's how much, how little everything that we have done before, good and bad, has done. It matters when, in relation to what Christ has done for us. It's not about what he did or what we can do. It's about what has already been done. It's about what Jesus already did for us. Everything that Paul had based his identity on was gone as soon as he was in Christ. His true identity changed. Everything he did was important, of course. Everything he did was important. Everything you have done is important. 
Absolutely. It forms your experiences and it forms your memories. Everything that you have been through is part of the story of what God has done in your life. Look at Buddy the Elf at the end of the movie. He realizes that he's loved by his father. He's not an elf. He's a human and he's free to do things that help people remember the meaning of Christmas. He identifies with his true self. And, and so I ask you, what do you identify with? right now are you chasing the wrong things are you are you running after material things that are only going to fade are you chasing relationships with people that are shallow and skin deep are you wasting your time and energy on things that are wrong are you chasing success are you chasing more money are you chasing more treasure or are you rooted in christ Last thought, um, back in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses a bunch of words to describe people that are in Christ. There's words that he brackets around those words in Christ. And I found like five of these words that I wanted to pick out. Look at this list. It's, it, these, these words are, are, are pretty big. You've got these words like chosen and adopted and redeemed and marked and purchased. Gang, you're chosen. You are chosen. God could have chosen anyone, but he chose you to love and to show grace to. You're adopted, which means you're now part of a family forever with God. For the rest of eternity, you belong with God's family. You're not alone. You're, you're redeemed, which means that you were bought back from the curse of sin. You're, you're marked, which sounds weird, but it now means that you are branded as one of God's own. You are his child and you are purchased, which means that God paid the ultimate price for you. You are worth the literal blood of God in Jesus who died for you. You have infinite worth to God. And that's why all this matters. Because when we end our talks here, we always want to pull away something that we can walk with. We call it our why it matters. And tonight's why it matters is this. Your identity is found in Christ. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are redeemed. You are marked. You are purchased. You are found in Christ. How does that truth change your identity? How does that affect you today? You've, you've been found by God. You don't need to seek your identity anymore. You don't need to work harder to get it. How can you let that truth change you this week? How can you live in Christ? We're going to move into a time of communion with Pastor Mark. And, and as we do that, I, I want you to be thinking about your identity. And, and I want you to honestly size up what you're chasing after right now. Is it because of your true inner identity that you're doing what you're doing? Or is it something that isn't of Jesus? Let me pray for you and we're gonna move into a time of communion. God, we, we rest our souls and our hearts on a lot of things that are not of you. We chase after things that are ultimately going to fade now or even later on in the future. And God, we know that our hearts are restless. But God, help us to find our identity in you. Help us to be in 
Christ. And as we celebrate communion tonight, God, literally, literally remembering the body and the blood that was broken and shed for us. Father, I ask that you help us to be seeing ourselves not as wanderers, but as those that are redeemed and chosen and marked and loved. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.